This is the Working Drummer Podcast. Working Drummer Podcast. Featuring ground level pros from all styles and regions. Real drummers with real stories about making a living in music. Hey everyone, this is Matthew Krause and you are listening to the podcast Working Drummer. Today my guest is entrepreneur J.C. Clifford. A lot of you know J.C. from his work with DrumTax. He's been the face of this product for many years and helped promoting and marketing DrumTax. He's the owner and president of Scorpio Marketing and Management. He's had his hand in many different projects that involve some familiar names like Rich Redman and Thomas Lang, Daniel Glass, and Troy Lucetta, just to name a few. Ever since I started the podcast, JC's been one of those cheerleaders and champion of my project, and I can't remember exactly how we connected. It could have been through Rich Redmond, but I really appreciate his friendship, and you get a feel for his positive energy and just overall good vibes that he brings to the table, and it becomes more and more clear on why he's been so successful in the short amount of time that he's been in the music business. I'd like to take a second and share some feedback and some kind words we've got from listeners from uh, Soyface on iTunes. They give us a five-star rating and write great insight. Zach is a great host, providing thoughtful commentary on the lives of these accomplished drummers. As an aspiring musician, it is great to hear the stories for professionals in the industry. Love the podcast. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Soyface, for that. Any of these ratings and reviews that you provide helps us grow and spread the word, and we thank you so much for that. Friend of the podcast, Brian Stevens, has produced some exclusive content for our Patreon page. He put together a 50-minute video, a great tutorial on preparing to record and how to analyze your recording chops. I encourage you to check out our Patreon page. For even as little as a dollar, you can access the video and the bonus content that's on there. And like I said, most recently is Brian Stevens' 50-minute video that is just so well-produced and well-done, and we thank Brian for for doing that. As always, you can find us at workingdrummer.net to find out more information about this episode and all the episodes that we've done so far in the last three and a half years. Subscribe to us on iTunes. You can find us now on YouTube. We are slowly building our library of past episodes. As I think I mentioned in the interview, I was really looking forward to speaking with JC. I've had several conversations with him, and I knew this was going to be a natural conversation and interview. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with JC Clifford. I have a love-hate relationship with a lot of stuff that is, I don't know, it's like people feel they need to do, like the whole social media and networking and building your brand and blah, 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 you know. But bottom line is, is that you are expanding your world every time that you meet somebody new or, and it doesn't always have to be about money. And, and it's like people throw the quote unquote, I got to monetize this, and, you know? Yeah, yeah. And yes, you, you have to eat and you have to pay bills. And, but there, I'm a firm believer in one, one thing leads to another. And most of the things I'm doing now, 99% of what I'm doing now, I would have never been able to do if I wouldn't have met 
that first person who introduced me to the second person who introduced me to the third person, they just all happen to be drummers. <laughs> you know? Right, right. <laughs> you know, but it's definitely, yeah, I, I owe a lot to everything, you know, to the drumming community. We're happy to have you, JC. No, I'm, I appreciate uh, being allowed to be part of the club. <laughs> I'm doing my rudiments and practicing my paradiddles yeah, every day. Yeah, man. Yeah. Good. More than my student is. Um, yeah, but I think what it is, is is for me, like the social media seemed like a necessary evil to some respects. I always say, like, if, if I wasn't doing music or promoting the podcast for that matter, I probably wouldn't be on it at all. I mean, it's great to see relatives, see kids from high school, friends and stuff like that and see what they're up to. But it's so, to me, there's so much vitriol on it. You know, it's a good point, though, that is kind of that's what I'm going through right now is that I was just I got so knee deep of like I jumped right in and coming from being a 47, 40, almost 48 year old male adult and not being in the drumming community to all of a sudden inserting myself in there. I felt the need to post 15, 20 times a day and share all this stuff and all this drummer stuff. And now it's like, I'm actually finding that I'm pulling back to the point where I think you need to have a presence out there, but you it's, it's had an opposite effect. I think now I, I you know, I, I just can't life is there's too much life out there to live to, constantly i always worried about the numbers and growing this and you know yeah. how many people are following and liking and you know now it's just like man if i can share some stuff i love seeing some of the bigger drummers out there that are using just the drum tax product or invite me to help them run an event somewhere or whatever mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but at the same token i get more jazzed about the 12 year old kid that sends me a private message you know wow thanks i saw you know like Christoph from Rammstein is <laughs> has this cult following in Germany. And I get these messages from these German kid drummers. Like I'll post one of their things on an Instagram account and they'll, it'll be next to something from Christoph from Rammstein or something. That's and it's just, they're so nice. Like they're thanking, you know, it's just like, but it takes me forever to translate it. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, awesome. It, well, it shows you what a worldwide reach that social media does give you. But there's that. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm definitely finding that happy medium where I got to I don't know. I'm, I'm much happier this year than I was in the last couple of years as far as my stress levels and, you know, and and, li and living a lot more than just living to work, you know, and that's good. I don't know if that's a compliment that people are like, oh, you're always on the go. You're always here and there. And it's like, well. I don't want to always be. <laughs> well, when we when we met a couple months ago, man, you you seem to be a little bit more in control and chill at the same time, and yet you yeah. had and this is I want to get into some of this in our conversation because I want to kind of pick up on some of the skills that you've learned as far as how to maintain order and stay busy and find time for family and rest and yet get shit done. Oh, absolutely. Uh, but the first question I had for you was I wanted to find out how Germany was and how your trips have been recently. Wow. Germany is Germany was, uh, I had been through there a couple of times, but never got an opportunity to spend any time there. Mm -hmm. And 
long story short, uh, you know, we're going to introduce, we're going into our fifth year with Daniel Glass for our jazz intensive. So I've already done four years with them in New York. And short story is last NAM. I always rent a house at NAM. I always open it up to whoever needs a place, a drummer. It's got to be a drummer. It's got to be in a drum community. Whoever wants to rent a room. And then we just have like a drum house. And I've had everybody there. Rich Redman and I kind of started it years ago. And this year, Daniel would be saying, so last year I had this German drummer that owns a drum school and Falco Ecki from, it's called Groovekista. <laughs> and so lo and behold, we, we meet for the first time at the house. And, and he's just like very nicely says to me, oh, I, I know you work with Daniel Glass. I'm a really huge fan of Daniel's. Is there any way you think maybe if we see him walking around Nam, you know, could you ask him if I could take a picture with him? He's a huge Royal Crown Review fan. And I was like, I go, well, how, why don't we just go out to lunch or something? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and, and he fell over. Like, he was like, really? <laughs> and I was like, well, no, I mean, I'm not. I just I, I work with him all the time. I was like, Daniel and I have become really good friends. So we go out for lunch. And while we're eat, you know eating lunch, this is the funny part of this is, is we went to Bubba Gump shrimp like place, <laughs> mm-hmm. and because to people in Germany that's almost like us going to you know Ruth Chris. <laughs> oh my gosh! So so, so so Falco, if you ever if you ever hear this, you know then you you'll know. I'm not busting you. We thought it was cute, but we took <laughs> the German guys to Bubba Gump. So. But we're having lunch and just he just drops this bomb in the middle of lunch. Falco says, I would like you to do a jazz intensive in Germany at my music school. And of course, we were like, oh, yeah, that'd be awesome. And he was like, no, I'm being dead serious. So fast forward the next six months, we just by series of emails and blah, blah, blah. We Falco's like, yeah, this is we can do this. We got the space. And he says, why don't I bring you over? We'll spend some time over here and. So that's how I wound up. Uh, it was almost what ten days in October. Uh, flew into Hamburg. We spent seven days. Uh, we basically scoped out venues. We're going to be doing not only a four or was it five days or f- four night five day jazz intensive in April of 2020, but we're going to actually have. Uh, Daniel's Jazz Trio, which is Sean Harkness and Michael O'Brien from New York that we use for the New York one, we're bringing them with us. And they're going to actually do a concert uh, with the oldest jazz society in Germany in this amazing venue that's uh, in, it's called Worms. It's pronounced Worms, but it's W-O-R-M-S, Worms, which is the oldest town in Germany. Wow. And... It was, it was just, it was awe-inspiring walking around. They have the oldest, it, I mean, from kind of historically sad stuff, but you, I just felt the need to go there. They have one of the largest Jewish cemeteries in Worms, you know, mm-hmm. from the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. And it's the birthplace of the Lutheran church. So Martin Luther, I stood in his footsteps at the church Amazing. where he did his famous speech Mm-hmm. And it's going to be the 500th anniversary of it in 2021. Oh, my gosh. You know, but I got to stand there at the church. They actually have his foot, like his uh, shoe prints in cement where he actually stood in the courtyard. And you and you could stand in them. And it is. You get goosebumps. You know, it doesn't matter if you're religious or not. It's just. Well, it was, it's it, like it was one, 
it was an important time in in Western civilization. I mean, it was like oh a gosh, humongous yeah. turning point. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, Germany was, and it was magical. You know, we uh, we spent a lot of time uh, at the actual his music school. He's got eighty five students. Uh, he's got about eight hundred and fifty uh, square foot live room that he's got three kits in, uh, and it's actually doubles as a sound studio. So we actually have enough room for 17, 15 to 17 students in Germany. And uh, we have uh, Music Messe and Drumladen and all these German school or um, music entities over there are getting involved uh, and helping us to put this clinic on. And it's uh, we just opened it live to the public a couple of days ago. We only have 10 spots left. So... It was, we did seven like right out of the gates, which is always a good sign. Dude, the pictures were amazing. The pictures of the, the studio and the shop just looked so cool. And there were aspects of it just reminded me, it seems so German. I don't know how, if that is descriptive enough, but it, there's just something about it that just seemed just kind of modern and yet rustic at the same time. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Oh, no, I know exactly what you feel. Because the moment I landed, when I landed, um, and then we went to like Heidelberg again, you know, and, and Hamburg, and it was, it, it was German. It's like, there's no other way to describe it. It's right. like you, every, every movie you've ever seen that has somebody <laughs> or is based in Germany. It's like from the beer steins to, <laughs> to the people to, the one thing I found, which is, I don't know, it's kind of a catch-22, is I always thought, and I'm not going to say German people are rude, but I always thought they were. it was a stiffer kind of, like, I, I, you know, like I would, you didn't feel like they were a very giving kind of, you know, like peoples. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it was, you feel the exact opposite when you're over there. Everybody is so courteous and nice and H a l l o, hello. It's like I keep I keep hearing hello in my head, but you walk into the butcher shop in the in the middle of this small little town. Osthoven is where we're going to have it. You walk into their butcher shop, and there could be fifteen people in there. Nobody speaks English, but they all turn to the door and they go hello, and everybody says hello to you, and everybody smiles, and it was just it was awesome. I was like That's- I'm super excited to get over there. That's awesome. Uh, my wife lived in China for a year, and I went and visited her. And we're out in the countryside, and all the kids are giving us peace signs, and they're going "hello, awesome. hello," awesome. you know. That's I, definitely on my bucket list, China. Yeah, dude. Well, I've flown through Germany, and my wife lived there a little bit when she was in high school, and uh, I've always wanted to go and spend some decent time. So I was so jealous to see that, and. Was there in in organizing this, and you've done things like this with, you know, obviously Daniel's Jazz Intensive and Rich Redmond's Drummer Weekend, was there a different vibe as far as the way the community came together, or what was unique about this experience compared to organizing this kind of thing in the States? Logistics are just kind of, that was the only thing I was really worried about, is I wanted to, that's why, you know, it's funny but I, I wanted to i wanted to get there mm-hmm. to kind of put myself in a student's like body so this is not flying into new york 
knowing the language, kind of having a rudimentary idea of, oh, it's a city. I can take the subway. I can do blah, 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 blah. I was like, so I'm coming from wherever. Even if I'm coming from Germany, we have a lot of people in New York that fly in from outside the country. And I get barraged with emails like two, three months before they get there of how to manipulate the city or where do I stay or where do I go? So I wanted to kind of go and kind of reverse it because I thought, you know what, I'm, I've never been to Germany as myself. So how about oh, I go over and walk through the process? And, mm-hmm. and I think I got a really good working knowledge of it honestly is going to be in my mind easier than the New York one because hmm. once we're there, everything is so close in Germany like the and close as in like when we're in New York, we might not need to go 45 blocks, which if you walk that, it's miles, you know, and yeah. who wants to walk from Southern Manhattan all the way to, <laughs> you know, up to Broadway or whatever, you know, so you're it's congested and blah, blah, blah. Well, now you're in a village and you're out in this beautiful wine country, but everything within a three quarter of a mile circle of Osthoven is there. There's three amazing restaurants. There's two wineries. There's one of the oldest drum makers in Germany. There's the studio. And once you're there in the hotel, the furthest hotel away is a 10-minute walk. Yes, and please. I want, yeah. to, I want to go to there. I, we would love to have you there. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, I got to go to Germany. There's no way in hell I would be able to go to Germany unless it was for a gig. There's no way in hell I would be allowed to go by myself. My <laughs> wife would not. She'd be like, I'm going. I've got to go. That would be amazing, dude. Well, so, you know, and my answer to that would be is, is Bringer. Bringer. <laughs> exactly. Seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you're coming. Let's do it. Let's yep. do it. Well, um, two things. I, I want to, uh, in, in digging in a little bit deeper to what's been going on with you, and I mean, I know we've known each other for a while, and we've hung out a little bit, and we had a, a, some great conversations over the phone. You've given me some great advice, as I mentioned before, and uh, a lunch a few months ago, which was which was really great. But um, also, to, you know, when I get ready to do an interview, I'll find other podcasts that my my guests are have been on to dig into. W- maybe what's been covered so that I don't sometimes go over the same thing. Um, Bless your heart. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's some things that I think have to be discussed, uh, but at the same time, I do like to mention to my listeners that, uh, you know, hey, listen, if you want to hear more about this, go check this podcast out. Um, A couple of them I weren't able to get up, but, but... one I wanted to mention was uh, Nebula Music Podcast. Yeah, I thought the guy did a great job. It was seemed very. It wasn't a drumming podcast, but it was music and it was business oriented, and it really dove in deep to drum tax and what's been going on with that and what is in the future for that. I do want to talk some about drum tax, but I do want to dig in a little bit deeper to who you are and your process. So. I kind of want to mention this, the Nebula Music Podcast, for any of our listeners to check out. Um, again, I only listened to that one episode that had you on it, but I thought the guy did a good job, had some very thoughtful questions, and it was definitely a little bit more serious and more business-oriented than I think that we do, but as a supplement 
to uh, all things J.C. Clifford. Uh, it's pretty mm-hmm. cool. <laughs> um, I want to ask about Scorpio marketing and managing because I have a, I know that this is probably an element of working with Daniel Glass and what took you to Germany and working with Rich Redman and working with Thomas Lang and some different things. Like, Can you give us a little bit of an idea of what it is that you do with this particular company that is, is yours. Yeah, it's kind of uh, I, I don't know. That's like, it's always, I, I, I never have a patented answer for that because it's just, uh, you know, the way back when I think I did my first podcast. So they, I, the same question, like what is Scorpio marketing and management and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of tongue in cheek, just, you know, sometimes the truth sounds cooler than if you think about it and you know and uh, quite honestly uh we had to get uh an actual entity to be able to go to nam in 2013 and to create an llc to get studio lab percussion llc the ability to (laughs) get passes (laughs) <laughs> so long story short was, it's like I had to scramble in, in 60 days and create a company. And my the only thought I had in my mind was, is I need to legitimately break this off from my personal life to, you know, I was in the car business. Yeah. And, and my attorney, long story short, is I've had the same attorney forever. He was my father's attorney and he's my accountant and he's my business advocate and blah, blah, blah. And, and Tom said well, you need to create an LLC to make sure you're not collusion, you know, funds between your person, you know, long story short, it was just like a hip jerk. Like, Oh, I got to start this so we can launch drum tabs. Gotcha. And, and that was it. Like, that's the only reason that I created it was to start drum tabs. But then drum tax turned into opened up the doors when I met people like rich and with Daniel and, just Mike Dawson right now at Modern Drummer Magazine. He's we've been developing his clinic, his creative practice clinic now, and and it just it became this umbrella for I don't know. I always jokingly say I'm a serial opportunist. <laughs> it's like I can. Yeah. If, I love listening to ideas, and if there's you know some way that I can help move things along. I think that's what Scorpio marketing and management has become is it's just my shell that I can use to, I don't know, I guess it legitimately uh, in a, in a business realm, it just gives you a home, you know, that it's, it's, that's where kind of, I can, I don't know. I operate under that, that joke, that whole serial opportunist, but it's like, um, I'm like anybody. I, I, I want to, provide stuff for my family and take care of my friends. And I want to be able to live a good life, but at the same token, you know, uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm still embarrassed sometimes of maybe some of the levels that I've attained. I don't know if that sounds like an asshole thing to say, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's, it's weird. Like I'll find myself out with somebody that, you know, it's sometimes I step back and go, you know, I, I don't know how I got here. <laughs> it, well, you know what? I think that though this is a time in 2019 that we're talking, almost the end of 2019, that 
I think this way of operating and this way of living and finding business opportunities and, and creating relationships, we live in a gig economy. And I think that it's it's the way business is done. It's hard to define. It's like when people say, oh, what do you do? And like, well, I play drums. The first thing they say is, oh, who do you play for? Because they have to have context for it. And it's and it's hard to explain. I mean, there are some different artists, but it's not like I mean, Rich Redmond might be a bad example because he's got his hands in so many different things. But still, as an example, he might be able to say, oh, I play drums for Jason Aldean. And people are like, oh, yeah, OK, they get it. They get it. But for a lot of us who play for maybe lesser known artists or we were juggling five different things and maybe we're teaching a little bit on the side, we're doing all these other things. It's hard to the layperson define it you know when i meet my my kids friends parents they're like oh what do you do and i'm like i play i'm a musician what you know it's hard and it sounds like having the home base it's like that gives you something like no this is i'm juggling all these different things this month this two months i'm working on this this and you have I mean, there, I know there for a while there was there was the drum tax thing that was a big part of it. But as you've branched out, it, there's so many different things that it sounds like every year. I mean, you're you're. It sounds like you're as much like a gigging musician than I've ever known. <laughs> I appreciate that. You know, you never. I never thought of it that way. But uh, you're jumping from tour to tour. You know. Yeah. Well, like I said, that's that's one of the things that I don't know. It's kind of. Uh, it's like anything. It's like I I guess I'm successful enough that I continue to do what I love to do, but in the same token, I uh, it's I'm not I don't know, I don't jump at everything. Like I want in the beginning, I think that's the one thing I learned is I took everything that everybody offered me and like down the road thinking this is just gonna be another amazing, you know, like opportunity and it's now gotten to the point where I get a lot of opportunities now to look at stuff before I, you know, I have to really digest them a lot more before I commit to them. It, just like a musician, man, you, you, you never miss an opportunity to meet new musicians and play gigs and get that experience. Then as yeah. you grow and you, you start becoming more discerning and you can turn things down and start curating the type of work that you want. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah, no, that's that's absolutely it. I want to ask you about some of the projects that, so to give our listeners maybe some more context about what it is that you're doing. So um, is Cancer Can Stick It Foundation, are you involved in that? Wow, well, Breast Cancer Can Stick It is that, yeah, that's, uh, I, I have no official ties to it other than the fact that uh, I met April Samuels five years ago, mm-hmm. same circumstance, just through the drumming world, and uh, she runs a 501c3. She's a nine-year breast cancer survivor herself. Yeah. And I just, uh, it's cancers hit my family so much in all respects, breast cancer especially. I just decided that from the day I met her that I was going to do everything of my that humanly possible to help raise money every year. Because she's one of the few charities that, you know, at least that I've been aware of that, it's all volunteer. She doesn't take a dime out of it. And she specifically takes the money and you know where every penny goes to. There's no, 
she pays for underinsured and uninsured women for mammograms and she drives people as people take people to, you know, to treatment and she North uh, Texas oncology center, you know, she does a massive donation every year directly to them so they can provide mammograms. And it just, you know, I just, I, I, I don't know of anything other than the fact that I've been lucky that, a lot of the people I've met in the drumming community it, are the nicest people in the world. And yes, yeah. I don't, all I have to do usually is ask and I don't ask of anything that I wouldn't do myself. Yeah. And some, sometimes it's, you, you know, you get that, like, I'll give a great shout out to Pearl man in Nashville, Ray Massey. And I met him at Sweetwater and we talked about the breast cancer charity and, I just said, hey, would you guys be cool if one of some of your artists could maybe do an autograph or, or something? And long story short, before the dust settled, Ray Lazier volunteered to autograph uh, a snare. Uh, Pearl, I thought Pearl was going to, you know, just send me, you know, uh, just a, a very, you know, a cheap whatever, something, you know, that would be more of a wall hanger, you know, blah, blah, blah. Here they send me this amazing six and a half by 14 freaking exotic, you know, even Ray's eyes bulged like when he saw it for the first time. <laughs> but like like that, they ste- they stepped up and just so over the top, you know, to help out. And and then we had guys like Ken Slusher in town and Ken with Luke Bryan and Kent wound up freaking just blowing my mind and he gets a the kick drum um the head that was in modern drummer when kent was in modern drummer he had the whole band sign it including luke himself that's awesome and then luke actually went out and did a post on his social media about Uh, it cool yeah dude it was just like oh my god It, it just it's crazy like so it was the difference of and don't get me wrong every dollar that's raised by everybody that raises money is amazing but when you do, when like somebody like that just steps up and just does a solid for you, and Kent lines all this up, and then Rich did one for with Jason Aldean, and Jason signed it. All these guys putting you know their best foot forward, you know, I was able to raise like almost twelve grand. That's you know, amazing. it's just it is it's insane. Just and, and you're not just saying, hey, send me money. You know what I mean? It's just kind of. I like the fact that it's it's not a and don't get me wrong they the multi million dollar cancer societies are awesome and you know I, I just have a personal problem with CEOs making million dollar salaries working for a charity yeah and it just you know again that's just my personal belief so I like the fact that I could just say hey these are all these awesome drummers are stepping up and they're going to donate their time and and their signatures and you know. And you're going to get an amazing keepsake. Like I'm sitting in my office in my basement right now, uh, surrounded by stuff that's pink from that breast cancer charity. <laughs> stuff that I win, I've been the maybe pump my own or toot my own horn a little. I've been the number one fundraiser for three years in a row. But I take the stuff that I get and I donate it to the schools, and I donate. Uh, all the heads and stuff like that I share with the drummers that were down there in Dallas and I keep like two or three things just as a memento from the year 
two yeah. small little things. The Kelly shoe, Jeff Kelly is a great friend of mine and he, he donates a, a custom Kelly shoe every year. So I have two pink ones and a custom pro one that he donated this That's year. That's cool, man. That's one of the things I keep. So they're, they are in my office. But yeah, it's just like I said, I, I like to give back. And uh, and you've done a couple stunts throughout the years to kind of like motivate people to donate. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I'm, I'm in the process of growing my beard back right now. But that was, I, I don't know. I was equally as happy as I was offended that people just really wanted to see me shave my beard off. But uh <laughs> The, the the beard bounty the the whole, the truth the whole story on that is, is it took two years because I put the ten grand bounty on it two years ago three years ago now and uh, we didn't hit it we got close got almost six or seven grand I think total but we didn't hit enough we didn't hit the ten grand so I didn't have to shave it and then the next year I just said hey if we hit the you know the mark it's coming off yeah and. Uh, not only did we hit it, but we've exceeded it. Um, I had uh, a really cool drummer um, help me out, Max, and uh, down in Virginia, and, and wound up. Uh, he raised, I think, it was like fifteen hundred or two grand, and and what my twelve, I think, we got close to like fourteen thousand dollars total, and uh, so the beard had to come off. So I shaved the beard on stage well they brought in a, a a woman from a salon who shaved my beard off and the greatest side story of that whole thing was is that as they were shaving my beard off this guy walks up with his wife and april standing there rich was there rich was <laughs> i think he wanted to have him shave my head too but the uh as we're standing there this guy's like literally like in his 70s with his wife and he walks up and he looks like a cowboy like mm-hmm. not a Dallas cowboy. I mean like jeans, boots, cowboy hat, buckle, like weathered face. He looked like a, a you know, a horse, you know, a cowboy like from the plains. And he just walked up to April and I and, and I'm on the chair and they're shaving the beer. And he says, you know, he goes, my wife and I heard all the drums today and we just walked down here to see what was going on. And he goes, and for this young man to allow them to take that beard off of his face, he goes, you've inspired me and I'd like to make a, do- a donation right now. Wow. And it was like, how cool. And April and I stood there. He opened up his wallet and he took out 10 $100 bills and, and handed her $1,000. My gosh. And like, like literally on the spot. And of course, April was like, we... The, another beautiful thing about it is, is she goes, she, she was crying and we were all crying, but it was kind of, she was like, Hey, this is a, a 501c charity. And she walked him over and, and every donation that she brings in, you get a receipt. It's tax deductible. So, I mean, it's legitimately a 501c3. Yeah. So he had, he had to fill out his little paperwork. And I love how all, every T is crossed. Every I is dotted. Sure, and like sure. I said, and you know where every penny goes. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's just a labor of love every year. I, I that's one of those things when it's over, I can't wait to start up again. This episode is brought to you by drumsellers.com, the niche marketplace where drummers, drum retailers and drum manufacturers buy and sell their gear. List your drums for sale for free and the only fee is 4% if it sells. Simple. Check out all the new used vintage and custom drum eye candy at drumsellers.com. 
Are you involved in uh, uh, Troy Shows Up with Troy Lucetta? That's a, another labor of love that's in a very slow, meticulous process right now. Mm-hmm. But uh, Troy actually did what I did in Germany. He just did in Costa Rica because what we're looking at is November of next year to do a wellness clinic uh, actually in Costa Rica. And it's uh, his Troy shows up right now is more of an event based where he's going out and doing middle schools, high schools, kind of following the Tesla tour. Um, the idea is to get to the point where we can actually book a tour and have a tour bus and actually go out on the road and do 10, 12 schools at a shot mm-hmm. instead of, you know, kind of hen's teeth here and there. But he took, uh, I don't know, I, I, Troy's been one of those people that you meet that I, I met him as a drummer and by using a drum product, but we, it's developed into such an amazing friendship of he came to me and we, we kind of chatted about his ideas and he didn't want to be, he didn't want to do another anti-bullying, anti-drug, you know, and nothing against anybody that does that out there. Because guys like Adam Argolin, you know, Argolin Malitz, Adam has an amazing drug kind of um, program that he does, that he's been doing for years. It's, I've had the opportunity to see it. It's amazing. And he takes it from the police aspect, added the drugs. It's like a dare program with, with percussion, and it's amazing. But Troy wanted to do something more like almost how to be a rock star without being like that traditional quote unquote rock star with all the, you know, bad decisions and alcohol and drugs. And he doesn't get preachy, but he's definitely doesn't hold anything back, you know, about the paths that he's chosen that we're not the greatest paths in the world. You know, you have guys like Ray Lazier out there that Ray's never done a drug, smoked a cigarette or drank alcohol. Like, and he's one of those true rock guys that, never went down the paths that were laid out in front of him that he could have made bad decisions. But then you have guys like Troy that, you know, will tell you, you know, he found cocaine at an early age. They were, he was successful at 14, 15, 16 years old, you know, when Tesla was just starting out and went down some really, you know, dark alleyways. And now he's turned that into going out to high schools and, it's just so over the top. And I say that in such a, a positive way. It's not him in a microphone. And again, nothing against anybody that does that because Rich could walk into a high school with just a microphone I and know. a practice pad. <laughs> and he would have the entire, he'd have 5,000 kids standing up singing with him. Or yeah. you know what I mean? Right. Troy gets the band, the choir. He gets the principal involved. He gets the music director involved. He has kids open for him. He has kids play with him while he's on stage. He brings the principal down at the end of the like the program in front of the assembly and does a Q&A almost like with the principal opening up the door to show the kids that the adults are not the enemy. You know what I mean? Like the, this is the person that's in the trenches with you. Yeah. Like every day. And he brings them down to this common ground with him. It's just, it's brilliant. It's just, but he, again, he, he's like any big thinker. He wants to kind of develop this into technically it's Troy shows up with friends, 
and the friends are going to be kind of a to be announced. But the wellness clinics are going to be all about not just showing up, but taking accountability. But uh, could be yoga, it could be juicing, it could be how to eat clean, it could be meditation, it could be you know spiritual, it could be whatever. I don't know. I guess I love the most about Troy is I, I know of three people personally now that have reached out through m- mutual friends of all of ours that are sick or going through, and it could be anything, could be cancer, it could be addiction, could be whatever, that he, it's not just an encouraging word, he takes them under his wing. You know, mm-hmm. like the next thing you know is he's he has them he has them out at shows like just meeting with them before a show or, you know, that's amazing. It is. It just really, it just, man, I'm just, it just hit me, you know, like how, you know, there's so few people in the world that, you know, it's that old adage, you know, you can, you gotta walk the walk, you know, you just can't say it. Right. You just gotta be able to do it, you know, or have the, the willingness to do what needs to be done. It's it's such a good example, especially for these kids. It's so great, and and all of us really, you know, to see as as we take on more responsibility and and have play a larger role in our society. What our responsibility is to as citizens of this world to do more. It's. I remember hearing about somebody having a conversation with someone, and they said, "What do you do?" He says, "Oh, well, I work at it." No, no, no. What do you do? Not don't want you, not what you do yeah. for a living, but what is it yeah. that you do in life that helps the world a better make the world a better place? Amen. And I just I love that concept. Working before you were in the, in the auto industry years ago, was there anything in that experience that kind of helped shape your work ethic, your interpersonal skills? Oh, absolutely. Every everything, everything I do today, I learned from my my two mentors in the car business, I was one of the luckiest guys in the car business because there's a lot of bad car people out there. Mm-hmm. And, and you know who you are. If you're listening, <laughs> there are some shady, shady, and I'm not just car people, but salespeople. Let's just say, let's not stereotype all car, just car people, but salesmen in general, you're taught either the wrong way or the right way. And I was lucky. And I had two dealers that were, older established dealers that ran their business like the old family business. And, and that's how I was taught. And first and foremost, it came from my dad from day one. That's my cool. dad was the 15 minutes early or you're late. You know, <laughs> right. you don't, if you're not 15 minutes early, you're late. You do not walk in on time <laughs> or, you know, and, and you know, my kids hated me when they were younger because we would show up to places that we needed to be. I sometimes took it a little too far. We'd be a half hour. <laughs> yeah. My <laughs> mother-in-law sitting though. around. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what though? It's just, yeah. I, I, and, and then just being in the car business, like to me, a product was a product like I cars, drummers, drum tacks, you know, drum products, whatever. It's, it's all about at the end of the day, if people don't like who you are or who, what your com- your company stands for, they're not going to buy your product. And it, it all comes back to it's how you present yourself and, and, and what you do with it. You know, it's just 
I, I loved the car business. There wasn't a day that went by that I didn't enjoy what I was doing. But like I said, I was one of the lucky guys. Well, I use drum tacks because of you, JC. So if that speaks to what you're talking about now, I mean... Well, see, and, the, and, and, and I appreciate that because that's kind of at the end of the day. It's, it's been the biggest irony in my mind anyway. Mike Dawson and I have ch- chuckled, you know, I forget. He said something to me the one time about the man, the man who I forget how he worded it, but it was just like just the biggest kind of joke is that I'm not a drummer. And and but you are. (laughs) But that's it. It's like I, I became one because of what I saw when I became part of the drumming community. It made me want to learn how to play the drums. That's awesome. And I will never feed my family with my drumming. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what, though? If I sit down, I can, you know, thanks to Rich, I know what the money beats are. Yeah. I I also love, I have three cajones now. I have more snares than any beginner drummer in the world should have. <laughs> <laughs> Only, but But it is all because of the drumming immunity. You know, yeah. I'm a, I'm a pretty decent guitar player. I wouldn't have my wife and my seven children if it wasn't for my guitar playing. Cause there that's where my wife met me was I was in a band playing guitar, yeah. but you know, it's, it really, it's the first couple of years out there. And it leads me back to, or back to what we said right in the beginning. When we started talking like the first time Thomas Lang called me, I had no idea who he was. <laughs> and, and it, he had just gotten my cell phone number from a studio in LA and played one of our prototypes out there. And Christian, the, the inventor and owner and my best friend in the world who invented drum tags, Christian and I were talking a couple days later, and I've said this on every podcast, but this is definitely my favorite story, is that, you know, Christian said, hey, what's new? And I was like, dude, this Arnold Schwarzenegger called and wanted to <laughs> order some drum tags. And he was like, what are you talking about? I go, I swear to God, dude, I go, it's this guy. He sounded, he, he must be from Germany. He sounds just like Arnold Schwarzenegger. And Christian goes, dude, what are you talking about? And I was like, I made my joke. I was like, well, you drummers all look and sound the same to me. I don't know who he is. And he goes, what's his name? And I go, I don't know. I said, it's, the craziest thing is he had like this Chinese last name. It's like Ling, Lang, something like that. And Christian <laughs> says, Christian goes, Lang. He goes, Thomas Lang? And I looked up on our sheet and it was our order sheet and i go yeah that's it he lives out in sherman oaks california and and christian literally said hang up the phone go to youtube youtube thomas lang he goes watch a couple videos and then give me a call back right and i did and i did and dude watching his videos for the first time i just was like oh my god he's not human and love him or hate him the man is a machine yeah that's so that's awesome it, it was so, but then the, I was in his house less than six months later, like, and we're shaking hands and he's introducing me to Mr. and Mrs. Meinl at Nam that year and Udo and all these like people, it would have took us years to get to that level to walk into. And he's responsible for us getting into Austria and Germany and France and the UK almost quicker than what we had established here in the States getting into big bang distribution and sweet water or, you know, it just, yeah, it was just, and it, it, I, w- I remember just sitting thinking to myself, uh, this is insane. Like I, I know drumming buddies of mine that would kill to be where I'm standing right now. 
and and I'm I'm getting this opportunity to meet these amazing people, you know, that are all drummers, you know, because of this product that Christian invented. But but there's and no, I was in the car business five years ago. You know? Yeah, I, I think what I'm trying to get to though, and what is something that is relatable to everyone, not just drummers or musicians, but everyone is there's something else though. There's some, it's not drum tax that there's something more that created these opportunities for you and for the company, there's there's another element to it. I mean, you talk about organizational skills, being positive, um, just a lot of different things. I'm trying to kind of extract some of these very useful interpersonal strategies that I think that we all can use. Does that well, make I think, Yeah, well, and what just jumped into my head is family. And that's, I remember thinking to myself the whole, when Christian and I started to put this all together and, you know, it, it was, how do you go forth now with this product? Like, how do you, do you make an artist team? Like, do you have artists? Do you have, you know, or is the endorsement thing is a whole day for another conversation because it's just, that is kind of a, 50 50 bane in my existence is just sometimes when I hear endorsement, it just, it makes me angry inside. Like, but, but that's the whole thing that started this whole, I don't want to have artists. I started calling them drum tack artists in the beginning and it just didn't, I didn't like it because I thought how like Christian's word, we're not here to say that every known method of creating tones or damping or whatever is we're not saying this is the only product you should ever use and throw everything out. We just wanted to be another tool in the belt and create something new and exciting and fun. And that's what kind of started me down that road of let's create a family. Let's do, let's have like a, you know, a drum tax family. And instead of having artists, let's share content of people who are using the product. Let's not send out free product to every, everybody that we think is, you know, an up and coming or established drummer and give them free this, free that. Yeah. And quite, quite frankly, over the years, we've had a lot of, lot of drummers that, and I'm not going to single anybody out, but like that, you know, just stop using the product when don't get me wrong. I've handed out. If I see somebody, that is truly I walk out and they invite me out and I go somewhere and they want me to come hang with them. I'll bring a pack with me and show them to them for the first time. I let them keep the pack. And you know, it's like, but I'm not approaching like a big drummer and saying, Hey, I'll send you 10 packs. If you say that you love the product and put it on your social media and blah, blah, blah. And we've lost some drummers that after that initial pack, like they found out, Oh, you mean I just don't get them for free now for the rest of my life. I was yeah. like, well, yeah. no, it's like, it's a $15 product and I have a family. Christian has a family. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, we're not, you know, it's like, we're not a multi. And again, it goes back to, you know, uh, we wish we made the money that everybody thinks we make, but it was never about, again, at least for me, I don't look at it as purely monetizing anything because one of the things we've now accomplished over the years, just from being that family, you know, like we've created 
like every year at NAM, I love it on Saturday at 12 o'clock. It's a standing thing for the last six years now that everybody knows if you want to be in our fan, we do a family photo at the fountain. Right. Right. And, and started with like eight people. And then last year we had, it's like people that, Oh my God, I'm going to, sorry, I'm going like off on a side shot <laughs> but because it, one of my fanboy moments ever. I, I'm a huge like industrial metal fan, Rammstein, you know, like that's just what I grew up when everybody in the coal region was listening to, you know, like more rock and roll or, or Iron Maiden or, you know, heavy metal, stuff like that. I was listening to Rammstein and more punk stuff, but Christoph Schneider, like is in like with Thomas Lang, like in our group shot, like he shows up at the fountain and Thomas introduces me to him. And, and I, it's just like blowing my mind. I was like, this is the, this is the drummer from Rammstein that I, you know, I grew up listening to when I was a kid and not only is he like there, but like a couple days ago, one of our interns shared a picture of like his studio over in Germany. He goes out and buys them from music Messe, like from the, one of the German distributors. Like he's never reached out to, he's one of those guys that if he wanted me to send him a couple of packs to use for tours, I'd have, I would buy them myself from Pearson <laughs> and send them to him. Yeah. I, cause I, cause I love the guy. That's but awesome, man. I just had a conversation with Thomas a little while ago, just like, please get me his drum tech's name. I at least want to thank him Yeah. because he, he uses them all over the place. You know, like he's using them on the Rezzo heads and on the top and on some, like, but on their stu- like their stadium tours, it's like, that's to me, is the kind of the epitome of success is that I I'll see people now. And, and as much as I love seeing a big drummer like that, I just love just perusing through Instagram myself and just seeing kids and whoever, like the, they're in their churches and they're playing on their bars Friday nights and they're in their studios, just making bun you know, making uh, music and you just see the new people out there. So we've gotten to the point where we're still growing. But it it sounds it sounds like you're tapping into a way. I mean, endorsements is about marketing. It's it's and it has evolved over time. It has evolved since we started this podcast four and a half years ago when we were talking about endorsements and how people get endorsements and what what does that mean. I mean, it has evolved so much, and it's about people discovering your product and and sharing these ideas and having a field of influence. And that was more clearly defined by, oh, well, it's so-and-so, and and they've been a modern drummer, and they play with this band, so they're going to play this product. So as you move throughout your career, and it's like, well, okay, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Well, that matters less and less, and sometimes the field of influence takes on many shapes and forms, whether it's touring with Luke Bryan, or if it's you've got a YouTube channel, uh, or you're a teacher, or you run a drum store, there's so many different ways, and it sounds like you guys have found this way that really works, that gets the word out, and everyone feels like they're part of something. And oh, dude, and that's that's it in a nutshell, right there. And that that's the whole family mentality. Yeah. And what you just ran through there, I in my mind, as you were saying it, I'm thinking of specific people that, you know, we have professors in college that, 
you know, use the product, but, and they do this whole different style of content. And we, we have the big drummers, you know, that are out in the stadiums and, you know, and I got to just one shout out because <laughs> Jake Somers, <laughs> I met him. Oh my God. Six years ago. And I remember the day like in the Gulch at Bar Louie during a drum tax hang. Jake used to come out to all of them. I remember him telling me about this new boy that moved to town, Luke Combs, and, you know, and to watch all of that and then to see him play the Wells Fargo Center in Philly. You know, it's 50 some thousand people. And it's a, Luke's on a sold out tour right now. He just sings and his butt just, off, man. It's amazing. Yeah, but but like that's to me is like just to see somebody who's really put himself like through the paces like that. Just my, I love him to death. It's just like you know, everybody that started to come out to those hangs in Nashville when we first started. I went down there for the first time. That's that that was the family kind of thing that started. Was is we didn't necessarily endorse a drummer per se the drummers using our product we're sharing their content but then their content's being seen by other people that are out there that get to know the product and then as they grow like i guess the biggest thing is is that is your family becomes your best salespeople, and so the people that are out there now like that 12 and 14 year old kid that's gets his content shared next to the big stadium drummer He's out telling all his friends, like, look at this. So like I said, we've seen that constant growth. And and it's we haven't had a stagnant point to this point, which has been great. It's like we're not growing leaps and bounds, but we're growing consistently. You know, every every quarter we get a little better, a little bigger, we get a little bit further reach. We're opening more distributor points now in the UK and in Germany and in Japan. And Big Bangs kind of started us down that road, you know. Bobby did three years ago. So yeah, it's just I, I think if you treat people respectfully, and bottom line is, is if they're using your product, you should be equally. It, it shouldn't be up to them to help you. You should be helping each other. So you should definitely be both putting your best feet forward. I want to ask one more thing about drum tax, and then I want to cover a couple, just a couple other things. I mean, I know you've discussed it so many different times. That you, you people can find out so much about this product, and um, I, maybe, maybe just in a few words, you could describe to maybe somebody has never heard of this or never used it. Maybe we should start with that, but also if you could follow up with maybe some really um, just creative or unique uses that some of the users have had that you guys have never thought of before. Oh, absolutely. I've, I've honed my 30-second uh, elevator pitch. I bet you have. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you have, man. So the, just to lead into that, the beauty of it is, is we still have yet to advertise. We haven't spent any money in advertising. Everything has been organic growth all through social media and word of mouth mm-hmm. and, and hands on just being out on the road, getting the product into each, you know, into people's hands. And it's a polymeric tonal control tab. So bottom line is Christian Beaulieu, uh developed this. He patented it. Uh, we do have a U.S. patent on the polymer. The polymer absorbs vibration. Uh, it allows you to create certain tones. It's not weight based. 
It's based on the amount of vibration that's actually sucked into the polymer. So you can put it anywhere. And we have drummers use it on the rezo head and on the top on a batter head like a damper. Uh, they use them on cymbals. Yep. Uh, Daniel Glass specifically was kind of one of the first like bigger jazz drummers that found out that if he had a, a cymbal that was a little too washy or was really taken out of a smaller room, he'd put one up underneath in the, in the, the bell and it'll just shorten the note. It doesn't take away feel of strike. So, um, we've had them on banjos because you got that Remo head on a banjo and by putting one on the banjo up near where the actual tuning bar or the, you know, the back bar that holds the, st the strings are, it tightens up that rasp and makes it more like a ganjo kind of sound. Oh, cool. So it, yeah, so it's, it's been kind of neat. We've, we've seen people cut them in half, cut them in quarters. Uh, we have a couple studios, uh, had a problem with them being stolen out of the studio. So they started to mount them inside when they would rehead the stairs. Okay. So they, <laughs> so they would know where to place them. Maybe, you know, the, the, the def default placing is, you snug one up next to the rim. It takes that ghost out. Bottom line is, is the better you can tune, the more creative you can get. And you can kind of really dial something. And Lang used to like to put three in a row and get that really 70s thunky, kind of really woodblocky kind of sound. We used to call that the tacapillar. It looked like a <laughs> caterpillar. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. All. But, but that was it. The beauty is, is that they're, they're, I'm seeing different uses all the time, which is, which is awesome. Cowbells, you, percussion, lots of Cowbells are, are crazy only because it's just, it, that was one of the things that I didn't get until I actually saw it myself. You know, like I held the cowbell and they moved the tack like an inch back each time. Really does, you know, bottom line is, is now you have one big giant cowbell that you could have 10 different cowbell salads out of. Yeah. You know, it's not, again, it's not going to revolutionize drum tones, you know, it's, but it's a, if you read the back of the packaging and you follow the cleaning instructions and you, you can YouTube right now, there's so many reviews and stuff out there. Uh, Sweetwater, uh, Nick DiVirgilio and I, Nick invited me out to Sweetwater last year. We did, which was supposed to be a five minute demo turned into a 19, 20 minute yeah. biopic, yep. which, which I, you know, I, long story short is, I do have a tendency to say literally a lot and, and it's it, hopefully in the back of my mind, I just thought of this. And I was like, I hope I didn't say it a thousand times while I'm talking to you, but <laughs> it's, if you can get through the hundred times I say literally, that's Nick, Nick really like put them through their paces. I didn't realize he wanted to do it in the studio with a mic kit, with a sound engineer using, you know, all the different variations and then doing sound demos with, without different placements. It's good. It, I, I watched that today. Yeah. It is. Right. And, it, and it was really, it was good. Yeah. And, you know, and just a side note is if I could teach anything to anybody, what I said before, when somebody gets in your face and wants to yell and scream at you, if you allow yourself to get upset, they've won. And my only advice I can give to any aspiring, I don't care if you're a drummer or you're a bank teller or whatever, but if you read into the comments and you let all the negative people that have taken enough time out of their day to say something negative about you, if you let that affect you, again, they've won. 
I got through the first couple and I started laughing because they were right. I really wanted to answer some of them about how many times I said literally or blah, 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 blah. But then it's like, I'm Irish, you know, here's, here's a, here's, here's a real, you know, you might be shocked, but my skin's red. It's been red my entire life. I don't have high blood pressure. I get red. When I get excited, I get even redder. And I look like a tomato. And somebody put a comment on there, something like, this guy looks like he just got back from vacation. You know, like my red face. And I just think, why would, it amazes me people take the time to go out of their way on the internet to just post comments that have nothing to do with, you know, I'm, I guess I'm old school. If I don't like something, I just turn it off. <laughs> I don't suffer through it just so I can make a comment, negative comment about so, it later. So do you leave, do you just leave, leave the comments alone then? Oh yeah. 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 Nine times, okay. nine times out of 10, like I said, I, I go back every now and then and I'll check. I, what I really like to look for is, if somebody makes a legitimate point about something that I could learn from, you know, like, and, and not necessarily, you know, there's always going to be people make fun of you just because, you know, whatever, they don't like what they're seeing in the mirror, you know, the whole, whatever, the, just the internet tough guy thing that doesn't phase me. Uh, but I do have a lot of respect. Like one of the guys actually had said something about, uh, he, it was, he said something like you're talking so much about the science you have to show me instead of talking about it. So I did, I sent him a message. I go, here's, you know, the patent, um, blah, blah, blah. I was like, you can, if you can figure out the, you know, sound wave, blah, 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 vibration. I, to this day, do not want to know. Christian only told me enough to teach me how to properly talk about the product. <laughs> I, I do not know the specific science behind it, but I'm, I, what my joke has always been is, is I'm pretty sure the 20, 30 grand he spent to get the patent, I don't think they just hand them out. Right, right. I'm pretty sure they, they prove the science before they give you the patent. That's amazing. <laughs> so, and, and again, if you do use them properly, they do work. Yeah. And, yeah. But, but again, it might not be for you. That, that's always been my biggest rub is why don't make fun of something. If you don't like it, just don't use it. That's sure. why we, I've never allowed anybody, and I've said this on other podcasts, I don't, we don't allow anyone to post anything negative about another product because mm -hmm. I don't care. If you don't like gels or you don't like tape or you don't like wallets or you don't like whatever, then that's fine. Don't say it sucks. It's the piece of garbage. It's blah, blah, blah. Like, because that's, we're not, it's not what we're about. Exactly, man. And and every time I have an opportunity to do a shout out to another podcast, I, I feel like it's such a such a great opportunity to like remind people we are a community. We're all in this together. Absolutely. And we and it's and sometimes these days, especially negative voices are tend to be the loudest. But I still feel with all my heart that they are still in the minority. I, I feel like there is a lot more positive. Well, they energy. are. Yeah, they are. Because that's the, you know, and, and the people that, I don't know, I feel I've gone from mildly annoyed when I see something online to, I try not to even let it affect me, but now it's almost like a sad kind of, I feel, I feel sorry for somebody who is that venerably just a negative person that they feel that their comment is doing anything other than just pointing a finger back at them. 
you know, it's not going to deter me from, you know, doing whatever. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's true. And, and there's so many times as a parent and yet you have find opportunities to teach these to your, these ideas and these concepts to your children. But there's so many times that we need to turn the mirror and reflect upon ourselves and our society and say, guys, remember that advice that you gave your kid about the bully? Uh, we need to give it to ourselves and Absolutely. <laughs> hey, no, let me I... ask, let me ask you, it, was there a, a like a, something, a specific moment or an event uh, in your life or a word of advice that served as a catalyst for you in the past to kind of reassess your career and consider leaving the auto industry and get into something different? Wow. That's just, I, I mean, it, it's funny. I, I, I remember the exact moment of, I, I, I guess I looked at it as, it wasn't anything spoken. It was the opportunity to be able to. One of the worst things about the car business is the time and having a large family and going to work at six thirty, seven o'clock in the morning and then getting home at 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night and not being able to sometimes not see your kids for days on end. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking about how I had talked to my dad about if my dad could ever go back and do something different. My dad was a professor at Penn state and he always said he would have become like a financial advisor, you know, like a stockbroker as much for not necessarily just the money, but for the freedom, like to like, he would, he would have wanted to work for himself to dictate the time. And I remember being on that golf course with Christian like when the patent ending came through and the realization of this could be the opportunity for me to go from working 65 legitimately 65 hours a week to maybe working more hours, but being at home or dictating the time I get to spend with my family. Right. And, and, and it really did. It was that, Christian and I had that conversation whereas we're we're gonna do this slow, effectively, and right. Not this isn't something that we wanted to that we thought, oh, we're gonna develop this and then sell it and get a ton of money and we'll never have to work for, you know, it was that whole organic base like from day one. Mm-hmm. And it just tied into, like I said, it comes back to the to the two owners that I worked for instilled in me. The, that family value of like, if you bought a car from me and I was the general sales manager and I was in charge of three sales managers and I had 27 salespeople. And if you bought a, say you bought a pickup truck from me and you lived in the te- my same town, you could call me up and say, Oh, Hey JC, listen, uh, I got something coming up, but my, my truck needs an oil change. Would you mind picking it up and dropping it off at the service station for me? And we would be, I'd say, no, no problem. I'd drop my vehicle off for you. You'd use that as a loaner. I'd take the truck in, get the lube oil and filter done, drop it off on my way home that night. And that's how both Jack Thompson and Randy Motts, the two owners I worked for, that's how they operated the business. That's it wasn't, amazing. It wasn't about money. It wasn't about let's get every penny out of their pocket while they're in front of us. It's like, let's make sure that their kids and their kids' kids 
and their nephews and their friends and their neighbors like are taken care of because then they're going to send all of their friends and their kids and their neighbors in. And that was exactly what I thought is when Christian and I decided to do this, I said, I, I want, I don't want people just buying the product. I want them to feel like they're part of something that they are confident. And they'll say, Hey, not only is this a cool product, but if you're ever in California, you get your picture taken, you get your in the photo album. You, know, you cool. can come out, just hang out. Like the, the bar, Louis, the bar Louie hangs became infamous in Nashville because I just started doing them to get the product out. But then, it was the last thing we would talk about. We didn't go get to, a drum tax hang wasn't to, to talk about drum tax. It was just to get 50 drummers together and <laughs> have a great time, you know, and talk about the gigs they were on or the tours they were on or the most beautiful thing that I saw develop out of that was is that we started, once people realized we were having all these drummers together, then we had bass players come in that were looking for drummers to play in bands. We had singers come in that were looking to put bands together and we watched like the connections be made, just in the, that social aspect. That's cool, man. Yeah, I, I, dude. That's I, what, like I said, I yeah. knew. I was like, we're doing it the right way. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, we had a one-on-one. Uh, you know, I met Mark Poise. I mean, there's. There, it's been. It, I definitely have my own personal stories about those hangs. For sure, and I'm not a big hang guy, uh, so I remember you saying that to me specifically. Really, <laughs> I do. I honestly do. Because one of the first couple ones that you would come out to at Bar Louie, and I, I don't think that you said that I'm not like a hang type. You were just like I don't socialize a lot outside, you know. Like I don't I don't come out to bars and blah blah. And I'm like, and I get that. And, and like I said, that that's I always wanted everybody to know that it was there was never it was never going to be a giant sales pitch that we wanted to. Don't get me wrong, you know. So many times I got to meet drummers that were brought in that had no idea what the product was. I do my little elevator pitch and, and a, you know, next thing you know, they're, they're, they're using it, but it was never sure. the thought we just wanted to get together and right, just make right. sure we were keeping everybody in the loop. And this, and this all started around 2013, as far as getting involved yep. uh, with drum tax and, and Christian, uh, in the years that you've been doing this and and working in the music business and and the, and the drumming community, uh, has there have there been any significant trends or changes that you've seen in that time influence the direction of the music business? I think everybody's getting off of the whole well, like what we had started talking about in the beginning. I think people are starting to realize that content creation is is more about quality now, not necessarily quantity. Mm-hmm. And because uh, in the beginning, like I said, I saw it, everybody that's everybody had a cell phone up. It was like being at a concert. The, the, another one of my pet peeves is live, take a couple pictures to remember that you were somewhere and then put your phone away. Yeah. Don't record the entire con. But we, I saw that a lot in the beginning and I think that's a trend that's definitely going away. You know, that it's not, you don't see as many all those live broadcasting platforms like from three, four years ago that people would be going live and on this and that. And, you know, it, it just I don't know that uh, that to me was one of those. I didn't feel thank God I didn't feel the need to do live broadcasting or. But, but I, I definitely think that people are thinking a lot more about the footprint that they're leaving. 
you know, when they are on social media, because there's definitely a right way and a wrong way still to do it. So I think not having as many, you know, you don't have to do 25 posts a day and have 17 platforms that you're on. You should find the one that works for you or two, you know, and. It is interesting because, I mean, and, and, and I don't know if these tools were a part of Instagram or Facebook using those two as an example early on, but I would be curious to know if things like, uh, you know, on Facebook, what is it? There's a button you can put um, snooze for 30 days from this person yeah. or, or take oh, a yeah. break. Take a break, and it's interesting. And Instagram has one of those. Like, um, it's not unfollow, it's not unfriend, but it's like take a break from this person. There's that on Facebook. There's that on Instagram, where if you just need a break, and I'm kind of like, did that evolve over time? Because some people were putting out so much content, it was more about volume Absolutely. than it was quality, and Absolutely. so the reaction to that was, you know what, I just. I love you. I think what you do is great, but you're wearing me the fuck out. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> and I know people like that. I mean, I, and it's like, gosh, man, I, I think what you're doing is great and I want to keep up with what's going on, but man, I'm sorry. It's just too much. I totally, and, and I, and I'm, and the point of my, the point of my life right now where I'm taking that to the next level, my internal 30 day snooze is not that I'm going to 30 day snooze. I'm taking myself off of the platform. Like I, 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 mm. I was one of the first, like the, one of the first things that I did when my iPhone updated and I could monitor the time I spent online. Yes. I, I did it and I was horrified. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Cause to me, I'm like, Oh, I used to tell people all the time. I don't have one game on my cell phone. I'm never playing a game. I'm always working. Bullshit. I was on surfing through Instagram. I was surfing through Facebook. You know, it might have been music related, but I wasn't doing anything productive. And when I saw that I like eight and a half to nine hours a day, I'm like, that doesn't, it didn't compute in my head. I would have, I would have on a stack of Bibles said, I spent maybe an hour, if that. And, but I've now whittled my way down. I'm not down to an hour yet. I'm a lot closer than the eight and a half, nine hours. It is. I'm, I'm trying to physically take myself from just being on constantly. It is interesting because I, I have that on my on my phone too, and it's been interesting to look at it. But I think that some of my apps they're under different categories. So I use uh, Polynome as the metronome yep. on my phone. I use it all the time. I have you know for live gigs, but I also have it on my phone. Use it for warm ups and practice pad, and that might be under the category of entertainment. Or something like that, and it's like, no, 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 no. That's work. That's productive. That's that's yeah. that's not. I yeah. mean, yes, I am entertained. Um, what does twenty twenty look like for you? The stuff with Mike Dawson's amazing because Mike's doing something totally different. He doesn't do clinics. He does creative practice events, and we're working with Modern Drummer. Uh, we're working with all of these fledgling companies. It's no big names because being the managing editor of Modern Drummer. He doesn't endorse anybody. No one endorses him. It's a beautiful thing. We go into any drum entity. We can use whatever they have there. And and it's and it's amazing. We've been to PASIC. Uh, we were in England for nine days. And we did one of his creative practices in uh, Talyard Studios, in Platoon Studios, where Uptown Funk, 
you know, like some massive hits were laid down in England, got to meet some of the engineers that worked with them. And, That's cool. And we're, we're going back in 2020, hopefully to do a multi-day event in England. And so that's definitely in store for 2020. Daniel's in store for 2020. I've got some crazy things in NAM that are going to be happening, which hopefully I can talk a little bit more publicly about in the next 30 days or so. But there, there are a couple of new drum products out there I'm super excited to see um, that are going to be releasing again at, this year at NAM. And uh, I don't know. Like I said, in the very, very, very beginning, uh, my grandfather used to always say, you know, it's a good day when you wake up north of the dirt. And I, I think all of it started today. And just like it was for me yesterday, is I, I try to, as sappy as it sounds, is I, I try to just treat people, you know, like I want to be treated. Like I, I don't think anyone deserves any negativity in their life. I don't think you should go out of your way to do anything other than uplift and try to help people. And it's, you know, I'm not looking to be sainted. <laughs> I just, I want to, I, I truly want, I don't know if I will ever make a difference, but I want to at least try. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of that in 2020 is, is what I'm striving for. Is I, you know, we all try to be a better person. It's just, I, I like started with this breast cancer charity and anytime I can help out a young drummer or if I could introduce a young drummer that idolizes one of the bigger drummers I work with. And if I could put them together, even just to hang out at a show or something, or it just makes my day. Yeah. And, and I want to do more of that in 2020. Absolutely. That's incredible, man. There is a long quote from Christian D. Larson that you have, I believe on your Facebook page. Yep. And it's, um, I, I, there's just a couple lines here I want to read real quick, and I feel like it ties so much into this whole conversation. About halfway through this, he, he says, to think only the best, to work only for the best, and to expect only the best, to be just as enthusiastic about the success of others as you are about your own, to forget about the mistakes of the past and press on to the greater achievements of the future. There's a lot more to this before that and after that, but I, I, it speaks a lot about your philosophy and, uh, you know, being enthusiastic. Yeah, I, I remember when I read that for the first time, and it is. It's just, it, it really did strike a chord. Mm-hmm. And you really should. And I, it, you should. You should be as happy for the success of others as, because ultimately it does lead to your success at the end of the day. And not necessarily just in business-wise, just the success of life. You know, I think that the drumming community has always bragged on itself as being a tight community, a supportive community, but there are still elements of competition and animosity and jealousness, and it's difficult. And it's those struggles are real. I'm not saying that they're not. I deal with them. It's hard to live in a place like Nashville, so full of talent, so full of new talent coming in, old talent. It's, it's overwhelming at times. But I've learned not um, it's still a struggle, but I've learned over time that to praise the success of others or to be enthusiastic about the success of others is gives me a new level of freedom to just enjoy their success, praise their success, and 
and learn and grow from it and reflect and stay focused on myself and not waste the energy and feeling jealous or critical. And I'm just a happier person because of that. That's it. I agree with you a hundred percent. It takes so much energy to be annoyed and be mad and just Mm -hmm. think, think negatively towards yourself or others. And it, it just amazes me that more people don't buy into that. Yeah. And again, that's, that's where that, it turns into sadness. It's like, I see people say something nasty or crass or rip somebody apart, like for no other reason than to do it. And that's like, but why? Like, <laughs> why would you exert all that energy? Right. You know? Yeah. It's hard to, it's hard to, there's something, there's something in there for psychologists to uh, extrapolate. So yeah, I, 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 I found out today, it uh, looks like I will be at NAMM. Uh, I've got a couple shows in California during that week, and the band is going to get me in NAMM on that Sunday, that last day. And uh, I, I don't know if anybody else is going to hang, but, uh, but they're going to make it work so that I can hang out. And so, oh, that's amazing. Oh, definitely. Well, let me know then. Yeah, uh, for yeah, sure. It's a longstanding tradition. If there's any way Saturday you could be there at the fountain at noon, would love to get you in the picture. <laughs> I, pro- I probably won't, uh, but I, I'll see. I'll see for sure. Um, but JC, man, it has been a pleasure. I knew this was going to be such an easy conversation and just so fun and just full of great information and, and useful stuff. And it's I, well, I appreciate you, my friend. Like I said, yeah. it's been it's always been my honor. I, like I said, I, I I truly loved the whole format, what you were doing and how you've developed it. It's, and again, it's been nice watching your star rise over the last five years. Cause I do remember our first conversations and yeah, I remember about talking about putting, you know, the visual con concept together with the audio and mm-hmm. the format. And just, it's great to see. I was perusing through your podcasts. And like I said, it's just, it's amazing just the levels and the diversity of drummers that you've had on there. And like I said, I was honored that you, that you asked me. I appreciate Thank you, man. We're really proud of the diversity for sure. And, um, we've got some exciting things coming up for, uh, 2020 as well. And, uh, at a later time, I would love to talk to you about that. But, um, but for now, man, um, enjoy your evening, take care of the wife and the family and I hope you continue to feel better and uh, get strong and prepare yourself for a great 2020. Amen, buddy. You too, brother. All right. Talk to you again soon. Hopefully see you in January. Absolutely. Make sure you hit me up. I will. All right, right. Matt. All the best. All right, Matthew. Talk to you you soon. You too, brother. Big news, buddy. Bye. So there you have it, my conversation with J.C. Clifford. As we mentioned, J.C. is a big supporter of Cancer Can Stick It with April Samuels. If you're anywhere close to social media, I'm sure you've seen pictures of J.C. around with his uh, pink beard or pink mohawk or something like that. But it just speaks volume of his kindness and his heart and the commitment that he puts into things that he's passionate about. I hope you were inspired by that conversation the way I was And I'm honored to call JC a friend. Stay tuned next week for Zach's interview. We appreciate you listening and spreading the word about Working Drummer Podcast. We're looking forward to a great 2020. We've got some live events scheduled here in Nashville 
in January that as soon as we get more information, we'll get the word out and share that. I'm excited about that. Until then, thanks for listening and hope to see you around. Bye-bye.